0: Have you been feeling stuck, exhausted, and finding yourself living as a passenger in your own life? By giving away so much of your energy and power to everyone and everything around you, but you? Well, you are not alone. My name is Dr. Valérie Dugaman, osteopath, and I have been there too. After being burned out, exhausted, I decided to take control of my life and get back into my driver's seat. It wasn't easy though, but I did it. And you can do it too. In this podcast, I will share stories, invite guest speakers, and provide insight and tips on how to turn your life around and move back into your driver's seat my guest today is caroline beckerman a homestay mother after working long hours in a corporate world in france for many years and struggling to find a work life and family balance caroline her husband and her three years old daughter moved to australia for a better life in 2006. a few months after moving to australia Caroline became pregnant with the second child and decided that she would be a homestay mom to take care of her children until they go to school. Caroline says that being a mother has been an incredible experience and she's very happy and fortunate that she was able to do it. In today's conversation, we talk about motherhood, how to learn from it, grow from it, and go with the flow. Thank you and welcome Caroline to the Driver seat club.
1: Thank you very much for having me as a guest to your podcast. I'm uh, really excited to
0: do this interview with you. Oh, thank you. And today you're going to talk about being a mother and the experience that you had since you've been a mother. Yes,
1: absolutely. It has been an, it has been an incredible journey, I must say. Not all rainbows and unicorns, a lot of rainbows and unicorns, <laughs> if I want to say that. <laughs> but yes, it's been a a real
0: learning curve for me. And could you tell us the story and uh, what do you mean about a learning curve for you? From the time that uh, you started to be a mother, how many years ago was that?
1: That was eight, Eighteen years ago, a little bit over eighteen years, and uh, it's it's a long story. Let me start with the beginning. Uh, first of all, I. I grew up with a mom with undiagnosed PTSD, and uh, that was very difficult because she was in a deep depression for many decades, uh, so unable to be a mother. And when she was not in a depression or, well, she was literally in bed most of the time. Okay. She couldn't handle motherhood. She really couldn't taking care of kids, making lunch, dinner, taking me to school or doing anything that I think a mother does. And she also had no control over her emotions. So she would really blast out in like, oh, anger. I would say rage, rage where everything would fly and (laughs) and we would be called names and this and that. So because of that, originally I did not want to have kids. In my mind, I was like, you know what, if this is being a mom and I, I just never want to put anybody through what I'm going through, uh, I'm not having kids, end of story. Wow, okay. And then I met my husband, Lee, who was not my husband right away, but anyway, and he t- didn't have this experience. He kind of wanted kids and was ready for it. So little by little, I became a little bit more um, interested, let's say. And we ended up having our first child, Zoe, who is now 18. And I really, really wanted Zoe. I had done a lot of work on myself since then. Okay. But Zoe was born and it brought up a lot of I'm going to say garbage. Like, you know, it felt like all my emotional garbage was coming up and I caught myself reacting like my mom would do sometimes, like really getting angry with her for things that she, she hadn't done anything wrong. She was just being a kid. And I I felt terrible. As soon as I caught myself, I was like, oh, my God, this is this cannot be happening. So I made a point from there to, first of all, always apologize to my daughter if I did something or said something that was completely out of line. Yes. And second, I, I sought help. I saw a therapist. I've seen her for like 13 years on and off. And that was fantastic because she really, really helped me put together the pieces of the puzzles that were that were missing. Actually, no, I had all the pieces of the puzzle, but I didn't know how
0: to put the whole picture together. I didn't understand my mom. Before you move on to your mom, how old was Zoe when you started to experience that this feedback from what your mom was doing with you?
1: Not when she was a very small baby, but more when she you know when kids start to walk and explore and of course they get into all kinds of mischief and touch all kinds of stuff (laughs) yes of course (laughs) (laughs) touch you're hoping they shouldn't they wouldn't be touching and that sometimes that would really make me angry and um you know, just normal stuff. But the thing is, my reaction was completely out of proportion with what was done. She hadn't done anything wrong. Okay. It started, let's say, when she was about a year old. That's when they start walking. And it was terrible for me. I was feeling awful. I was like, no way. No, no, I'm not doing that.
0: And you say that you are doing, you did some previous work on yourself before you got pregnant. If you can quickly say, what did you do?
1: Yes. So that, was very quick actually so in France I was living in France at the time it's not like here in Australia it wasn't my GP it was a gynecologist that you go for your regular checkups and he was asking me if I wanted to have kids and I was like "Uh uh-uh no way not doing that and then we started having a conversation and I told him the reason and he said you know the fact that you're thinking about this and that you're aware of what you went through and not wanting to put anyone else through it, means that you can have kids and you will not do what your mother did. You don't have to repeat it. Wow! And for me, that was like, oh my god, yeah, that's right. I I have a choice. I don't have to do what she or do what she did, and. That was so it was very short. It was just one appointment, but that thing was like a truth bomb and it was
0: like, Oh my god, yeah, I maybe I'll consider that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Wow. Somehow people can just change your life so quickly because it sounds like it changed your point of view about having kids around, from not wanting to questioning that maybe I want to. Yeah, exactly.
1: And probably I was ready to hear it too, because I had been thinking about that for so long. Like it's a thought that had been in my mind since I was little, you know, it was like, no, no kids. And uh, and also I had always heard before that, I had always heard that you tend to repeat what you lived through as a child. And I was like, yeah, well, if that's the way it is, I'm not repeating. And for me, not repeating meant not having children.
0: Yes. That makes sense. And then uh, tell me about when you started to seek help when she was little and you realize that, oh my God, I'm repeating the same pattern as my mother was repeating. And then you seek some help. So what happened then?
1: So it's actually not that linear. In the meantime, we had moved to Australia and I became pregnant with my second daughter, Margot. And again, No, uh, I kind of like to say the sewers overflowed, (laughs) (laughs) the emotional sewers overflowed. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's worse than I thought. I thought I had worked through that. But no, there's more.
0: And I suppose the hormones as well are playing out.
1: Probably. And there were a lot of things playing because we had moved to Australia and I didn't know anybody here. I had no help whatsoever. And my husband at the time was traveling a lot for work. So I I was kind of taking care of the kids by myself 24-7 most of the time. Wow. Yes. And it was really triggering as well as uh, Margot was a very difficult baby in that she didn't sleep. She just like, no, not sleeping. So I had reached a level of exhaustion that did not allow me to be more present the way I wanted to be as a mom. I I was on edge most of the time. Yes. So that's when I started seeking like regular help with a therapist and she's been amazing. I mean, she really helped me understand why my mom behaved the way she did, understand her past and how that affected her. So in in a nutshell, my mom has suffered from major trauma from a very young age, from about six years old. And she explained to me at the time that when you suffer from big emotional trauma at a young age, your emotional and psychological growth stops and often you cannot, it, it just doesn't start again, which totally explained to me like why my mom had the maturity of a five-year-old. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Wow.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Yeah.
1: So just that fact alone really gave me perspective. And I was like, oh, oh, all right. So she really didn't have any control. Now, in parallel to therapy, what I did at the time is start a yoga class. It was just once a week. okay, And that was amazing. Simply because, well, first of all, I had 90 minutes just to myself once a week where no one was gonna ask me to do anything. There wouldn't be any like mom, <laughs> you know, you know how that goes. Yes, or, yes. Or you know, or you're in the shower and your kid comes to see you in the shower and gives you a note to sign for school. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in the shower. <laughs> can we do that <laughs> later? <laughs> All these things that are can be cute but really annoying and you're like and all of a sudden you're like oh my god I've done this time all for myself so that's one um One aspect of the yoga practice, the other aspect is that it gave me the time and space I needed to actually process all the things that were said during my therapy sessions. Okay, and what do you mean by that? What I mean is, you know, you go, I I used to go on my therapy session and all those pieces were put together and you kind of need time to reflect And marinate in what you just learned and project yourself back in the past. Put yourself in the shoes of the person, for me, my mom, that went through all those traumatic events. And if you, like, come out of your therapy session and you're like, rush, 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 you know, it's like, I've got to do this. I've got to clean the house. I've got to take this one to school. I've got to prepare food all of this, yes, you don't have time to process and you don't get the full benefits of your therapy session, is what I mean to say. That makes sense. And that was just the beginning of my evolution, let's say, and um,
0: improvement, I want to say, as a mom and, and as a human being in general. And what happened after that for you? You could see that during the yoga, plus seeing the therapist has been very beneficial for you. How did you interact then with your daughters?
1: Well, there was a massive shift that happened is that I became much more aware of how I was feeling. So for example, for anyone who's practiced yoga, you're on your yoga mat and often there you are asked to connect to the sensations in your body, uh, do an emotional, psychological check-in before you start the class. And You would think it's like, okay, why am I doing this? And how's that going to help me? Well, it was actually extremely helpful because as I practiced checking in and really noticing how I felt inside when I was on the yoga mat, I would notice that in my daily life. And for example, Margot would do something that would trigger me. Like, I don't know. She, she used to be very creative and, you know, uh, move the frying pan to the shower or (laughs) things like that that would normally really annoy me and I realized that most of the times that I got annoyed with my girls was not because of anything that they did but because I was feeling tired or because I had an interaction with someone who annoyed me and I was on edge and then one of the girls did something and I jumped at them. And I can say easily, 95% of the time, my adverse had nothing to do with them. And when I started to become aware of that, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> wow. <laughs> 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 the things we do without realizing, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, because I guess they were because they were there, I guess it was much easier to, to just release whatever needed to be released.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I guess you would say because there's smaller kids, you don't pay as much attention. You just, you know, let out whatever needs to be let out, what you feel needs to be let out. Um, You know, you, wouldn't do the same thing with your boss. (laughs) Yes,
0: that's right. That's right. Yes. You'd have a bit more (laughs) self-control. Yes. And I hear that a lot, actually, even when we don't talk about children, but in a couple, often if one of them have some issues at work or someone else, they come home and they just latch out on the other partner. And apparently that's quite common to do that. So I really understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's a very common uh, way
1: to... I wanna say manage but not really being managed by our emotions.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. And how old were they when you really started to to realise that and then take more control of the way that you were behaving?
1: Well, that's a very interesting question actually, because well Zoe never had any problems really because she was she's always been very grounded, like she's naturally grounded, um I'm like, man, you're lucky. I've got to work so hard on that. (laughs) But, (laughs) but Margot's much, much more sensitive. And Margot's a sponge of whatever you're going through. She soaks up your energy. Okay. So when I started calming down and becoming aware and, and not having these uh, outbursts. And when I say outbursts, I mean, I wasn't like screaming at the top of my lungs. But still, you know, when your mom is not happy with you, you generally don't feel so good. <laughs> yes. And you feel it. And you feel it. Yes. <laughs> you definitely feel it. So that's eased up quite a bit and Margot became easier as well, Wow, which was very interesting. Like I had a lot less issues with with Margot when I started coming down and becoming more grounded myself. Wow. So she was a reflection of the way that you were feeling. Exactly. Amazing. Exactly. And when I realized that, sometimes when I wasn't so sure how I felt, I'd look at Margot...
0: (laughs) And I'd be like, how is she feeling? And I'm like, oh, okay, not so good. (laughs) Oh, that's so, so good because it's so interesting that you're talking about that. A lot of parents, you know, sometimes they can see that the kids are agitated and they don't know, but maybe that's a good example where... Something to consider that maybe if the kid is agitated, maybe because somehow we as parents, we are agitated as well. So the work that you did on yourself seems like it really helped you a lot. Yeah,
1: it really did. And like you said, not just with the kids. When I started realizing that, I also realized it with with my partner, with my husband. And it's like, okay, so how many times do I get really annoyed with him for something he did that actually I'm annoyed at? uh. You know, the gardener because he didn't show up, or, you know, (laughs) or whatever ridiculous thing that can happen to you during the day that you don't pay attention. And so that's why the mindfulness of, um, emotions is so important because I'll just take that example that I just took, like the gardener didn't show up and you're annoyed because your garden looks like crap and you really can't do much about it. Yes. And as soon as you realize that, just stop and process it and acknowledge, okay, I'm annoyed because the gardener didn't show up. Yes. And that alone is enough to not lash out at anyone else because you will not have stored that unpleasant emotion.
0: That's so interesting what you're saying. It sounds like it's being aware of of whatever triggers you and take responsibility for it. That's, that's very interesting. Yes.
1: And actually, I would like to share uh, something that I learned a few years ago that really changed my life. Um, it's from this book, uh, My Stroke of Insight by Jill Bolte-Taylor. If anyone has read this book, hasn't read this book, please read it. It's amazing. And one thing that she was saying is that an emotion is a chemical reaction in our body. And that reaction, the chemical, only exists for about 90 90 seconds in our body. Okay. After that, it's gone. So if you get angry and two hours later you're still angry, that emotion is no longer there, not the original emotion. But you kept repeating that same scenario over and over in your head and keeping yourself the story, making sure that you're remaining angry. Oh, wow. That's super interesting. Yes. Wow, I didn't know that. It's all about the story we tell ourselves. Mm. And once you know that, and again, the awareness of emotions, and you can feel it coming in your body. If you don't hang on to it, you'll feel calmer and you'll come back to a more neutral state. But if you if you keep telling yourself the story of why you're hang you're angry, that could last for you know, for some people, it lasts their
0: lifetime, really. <laughs> so yes, and of course, because you do see sometimes people who are always angry, and you said, "Why? Why are you so angry, so upset all the time?" Yeah. But as you said, maybe it may be that it may maybe a story that they keep on, they hold on for so long, and then it just they carry on, they carry on, and they're not, they probably don't even realize and are aware of of that. So that's really important. More so that people try to take care of themselves and do something about it. Yeah, exactly. And and if you tell yourself the same story
1: for long enough, for enough years, then you really identify with it. And it's kind of like you build this whole personality around it. And and you think that's, that's who you are. Yeah. But... In reality, it's not. Very few people are aware of that. It takes a great deal of self-observation. In yoga, we call that svadhyaya, the self-study. Okay. Well, it takes, first of all, a willingness to change, obviously. <laughs> if you don't have that, you're not going
0: to go anywhere else. I suppose as well, you know, so many of us are not aware of our behavior. So sometimes it's, it's having the first step of being aware. And when the awareness is there, so then you can take actions, but you don't even realize that you're behaving in a certain way. And some people around you don't necessarily tell you that you're behaving that way for whatever reason. And uh, that can be very challenging for a lot of people to to recognize that and act upon that to get better. Yeah, Yes,
1: because we do get defensive as well. We don't want to be told that we're not doing
0: something right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's human, right? And, uh, and for you, uh, what happened next? So the, the children, your two daughters and your husband, they, didn't, uh, they stopped receiving you know, some of you triggering, whatever was triggering you. <laughs> so then they, that created, uh, if I can say, a better uh, balance in the family, would you say? Yes, it definitely created a a
1: much better balance in the family, which was really crucial because the kids grow up and they become teenagers. And if you haven't built trust and an open and honest, uh, loving relationship with them before they get there, I don't know how you're going to build it when they're in their teenage years. It's challenging enough. So all of that... I really kept on being quite mindful of my emotions and my perception as as Zoe was entering teen years, uh, because, well, they change, you know, you're no longer their main area of interest. They want to hang out there with their friends and they want to do all of this and they want to go out and which is all completely normal. But if you haven't established a healthy, base of communication before that where you can say okay um, I'm not too keen on you going out at this time of the day because this and this and that you know like yes remaining factual around things as opposed to emotional because it's so easy to get emotional especially I don't know. I want to say especially as moms because we tend to take care of the kids a lot more than dads. Again, that's a general statement. It's not always the case. Yes. Um, for some of us, and I, and for me it was, it, it was really hard to let her go. It's like, well, you know, I used to do all these things with my daughters and now I'm on my own. So it's easy to get angry with them only because you're feeling lonely all of a sudden, you
0: know? <laughs> well, that's such a great point. I'm not a mother, but I can really understand. I'm sure a lot of people can, uh, especially people who are parents, can really connect to what you just said because it's important to let them go. And sometimes uh, some of my clients who, have, who are mother and they tell me it's hard to let them go, the kids, because you get so attached. and But you have to let them go, I suppose. Yeah,
1: and that's that's the that's the point, isn't it? It's uh mm-hmm. we do need to grow with them and that's really difficult. But sometimes what helps me is like, okay, well, we don't want most both my kids to live with me when they're fifty years old. Uh no. I love them. I love them, but no. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good point. That can be a source of motivation. Exactly. <laughs> So it needs to happen progressively and let, let, let it happen naturally like it's happening right now. I, I really made a point with Zoe and now with Margot, who is just entering teenage years, to have conversations about difficult topics as in, a, in a way that was as neutral as possible or telling her things like, OK, when you do this, I feel like that. I feel or, you know, right now, it's not like I, that. I don't want you to go out. I want you to have fun. But I do miss you. I really do miss you. Oh, wow. That sounds like it's important to be able to be open like that. I think so. And she she understands it only intellectually because she's a teenager. How is she going to understand it? Really, she can't. That's okay. Yes. But I I think something, a memory that just came to mind is... Um, a few years ago, when Zoe started going out on by herself or with her friends, they wanted to go trick-or-treating for Halloween, and she had promised she was going to get dressed a certain way, and then she got dressed... She changed her outfit completely when she was with her friends and belly button showing and short, super short skirt and, you know, going around neighborhoods at night with her friends. And I was not happy about that at all. I <laughs> <Yes>, what happened. <laughs> so she came home and I was like, I, luckily I did not get angry with her. We sat and I said, okay, Zoe, this is why I'm not happy with it. I know you don't intend anything bad. Um, I know you thought it was fun to get dressed that way. But sadly, you are making sending the wrong message to boys. When you dress like that, A lot of boys will um, interpret it as, oh, she wants my attention. And you know where that leads. I'm not even going to get into that. She said, you could, I, I told her, you could get into a lot of trouble. It doesn't happen all the time, but in general, you just have to be careful what you wear. And she looked at me and she said, oh, mom, I'm happy you said that because I thought you were judging me, but I can see that you're here to protect me and to look out for me. That was your intention. I'm like, exactly. That's my intention. It's never, I'm not judging you because I think you look like a slut or whatever. It has nothing to do with it. I just want to make sure you're aware of the consequences of your choices. And, That was amazing. When she said that, I was like, oh my God, she understands that.
0: Wow. (laughs) Well, even me listening to it, I'm like, that's very amazing. And it's such a great way to communicate uh, with a teenager. (laughs) Sounds like for her, it works really well. Yeah. Before we finish, tell me about the the relationship then with your partner, because as your kids were growing, and you said that you were the one that was taking care of your two daughters most of the time, how did you then keep the connection with your husband at the same time and after when they become a teenager? Now that's a really good question. Um, Well,
1: that was very difficult because I was a full-on mom and I honestly didn't have much energy left for my husband when he came home. And, And also he was traveling a lot. And sometimes I would, I would lose track of where in the world he was or when he was coming home. <laughs> I remember this one time. I, I thought he was coming on a certain day and he came back 24 hours earlier because I had lost track. And I thought, oh, sorry, I have nothing for dinner for you because I didn't know you'd be home. That's, you know, it, it wasn't so good. Yes. I must say that it kind of was on hold for um, for a while. I mean, we did maintain a relationship, but uh, of course, obviously, but it was always with the kids as a family. And we both loved it. Yes. But there was very little time for just the two of us. Okay. So that, that really requires patience and probably more so on his side than on mine. It, it must have been pretty difficult for him. But now that they're becoming more autonomous. Or I don't know if I want to say independent. They need less of us in terms of time and logistics. We're finally finding time together again. It's very interesting because it's not like we're taking it where we left off before we had kids because in the process we both learned and evolved a lot. It's different and I would say it's really richer there's, there's much more depth to it, I think. In which way? What do you mean? We've been married for, I don't know, since 1997. I can't calculate. How many years is that? 20 plus? <laughs> Let's say 20 plus. I lost track now. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> we've grown in the same direction and our, our relationship has changed where we understand each other better and we're much better at communicating with each other in uh, in that, like, not triggering the other one. Like, same principles I applied with my daughters. Lee was always better at that than I was. I had a big learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> but there's barely any friction ever. It's very peaceful. And, you know, when you start in a relationship, you're not very confident. You're a little bit... Um, you're insecure, basically, is what you are. Yes. But after all this, well, after these 20 years and raising two daughters and he's an amazing dad... I feel really comfortable in the relationship, not comfortable in that I'm going to stop trying and making any efforts now because I'm sad. Not that kind of comfortable, but not worried about anything like, I don't know, easy thinking of someone else or you never know, you know, the stupid thoughts that cross our mind. Like I, I completely, there's complete trust in each other. Wow, that's beautiful that feels amazing. i visualize visualized myself growing old with Lee. And for me, it's just like, yeah, fantastic.
0: That's what I want. Wow, that's so beautiful. I really wanted to know as well, the part with the partner, your husband, because often a lot of parents, they take care of the kids and they, they especially the mother, they spend so much time taking care of the kids and they're tired and the, the relationship can take a big toll on, on that. And it's good that you maintain that, even though it was difficult, you maintain that relationship and it got stronger over time.
1: Yeah. What, what I want to say about that, I do remember, though, just as an indication for moms out there that are in that stage of taking care of really young kids and not having any time to dedicate to your partner, it's not going to happen naturally. You're just never going to have the time. So what we ended up doing periodically is setting up an appointment in our calendar that day we're having dinner together or whatever it is that we all are simply setting time ahead to be more intimate with each other, which doesn't happen if you don't set the time, at least it didn't for us. Because you're just overwhelmed with all this, these things to do. And when you're finally finished, you're exhausted. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. So setting an appointment, regular appointments, and even if it meant you're having dinner at home because you can't find a babysitter or cannot afford a babysitter, you can still have time together at home after the kids are in bed, but the focus is really your relationship. And that that really helped. We didn't do it that often but a few times we did were really really
0: nice oh that's amazing well thank you so much for sharing your story as a mother and as a wife that sounds amazing and i'm sure so many people can relate and connect and and see themselves in the story that you tell so would you say that now after all these years working on yourself and also improving the quality of the relationship with your your children as well as your husband Do you feel like you're on the driver's seat of your life for that particular area of your life? Yeah,
1: yeah. I I can definitely say that. And you know what's also really important as a mom is like when you do this for yourself, I'm in the driver's seat in that I am very seldom a, a victim of my emotions now. It's like, you know, I take action after I realized what's going on. And when you do that, your kids see you do that. And they have this model to copy or get inspired from. So, in a way, when you take control of your own life, you're also teaching your kids to do that.
0: Yes, of course. Yeah, that's that's really important to uh, to know. And thank you for sharing that. It's very very important because. Uh, I suppose the kids they copy what the parents are doing, and th- there was a say that said your your kids are a reflection of who you are. Yeah, I often hear that that people say, "Oh, your kids are the kids are a reflection of the parents' behavior." Well, yeah, obviously, I mean they've been marinating in in this household since
1: the day they were born. So, <laughs> <laughs> if if that household hasn't been beneficial to you, you really need to take action and make efforts to change it, which is which is what I did
0: at the time. Well done and very, very happy for you that you achieved it and you made it happen for you as well, but also for everyone around you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed that. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Driver Seat Club. Until next time, have a powerful day.